Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. For more Nerdy Show podcasts, community forums, and learn how you can support this and other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Welcome to Flame On. I am Brian the Bear. I am here with my boyfriend, Pat. What's going on, guys? The other bear on our show. And we're here today with a very special guest, Mr. Cena Grace from Image and All Points in Between, co-writer and uh, illustrator behind the fantastic Burn the Orphanage book featuring a character called Bear, who is very near and dear to us. How are you doing today, Cena? I'm going to be a little honest, today's not the best day. My dog, I came back from New York Comic Con, which was fantastic, but um, I picked up my dog and he's sick. I don't know, the vet is like, he may have pneumonia, he may have something in his stomach, but uh, we injected him with antibiotics and uh, we're at the wait and see phase. Other than that, I'm doing fantastic, so I'm sorry to uh, drop some, (laughs) you know downer news on you well, oh i'm sorry uh, trust me i just had to put my 15 and a half year old pekingese to sleep a couple weeks ago so yeah dogs uh oh there are children i mean you know until we actually if we actually have children there are children so i wish him the best what's his or yeah, her name his name is henry um i love i love dogs with uh human names <laughs> But he's my baby, and uh, yeah, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. But it was just, everyone was like, oh, he's just tired, or oh, this, that, and the other. And I was like, I know my dog. He's not well. (laughs) I'm sure he'll be uh, be bouncing around in no time. Um, So speaking of New York Comic Con, that's where we got to meet in person. Did you have a good New York Comic Con experience? It was fantastic. People are so nice and so open-minded out in New York. I, I don't know if uh, I'm the minority in this, but I genuinely enjoy having Artist Alley not be on the convention floor because everyone who's walking through the aisles has the intention to actually engage with the art. Whereas at some of the bigger shows, if you're 
you know, on the main floor, like San Diego Comic Con, people are kind of looking for freebies or, or looking to get their photo taken, you know, in their cosplay. And that's fantastic. And it's a part of the show, but it, it's also nice to just engage with people who want to learn about new artists or new comic books. Yeah. I mean, I did not even realize you were there because even though I think we had corresponded briefly and I, and I talked to your, your co-writer on Burn the Orphanage, Daniel, right? Yeah. Daniel. Yeah. That fool. <laughs> I didn't realize, and he probably even told me, and I'm just that absent-minded that you would be there. So when I walked by and I saw your beautiful print of Bear dressed as Robin, the boy wonder, trick-or-treating for Halloween, I was, I was just, I lit up. I don't know if you saw this. I was just beside myself that you were there. Oh, so I could you. say hi, <laughs> of course, uh, and to meet you. And then, of course, I mean, in a buying, uh, I think I bought two copies of the print. Uh, and then our buddy from Comic Book Bears, Bill Zanowitz, actually, I guess, also came by. Uh, he put that up uh, as his favorite print from the show. So, um, And a t-shirt, too, which I have not worn out in public yet. I'm waiting for just the right weekend. And this weekend is Bear Bust here in Orlando. So I may have to wear that shirt and have people ask me about what it is. Because that's the best part of wearing shirts like that is people are like, what, what is that about? Like, That's a comic book, man. You should check it out. It's got bears in it. <laughs> And it's about video games. Oh, no. But you I, had a good show. You had a lot of people. I think, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I remember seeing, I think on your one of your internet feeds, you had actually a couple or at least one cosplayer show up from Burn the Orphanage? Not this show, but uh, whatever the, I guess the last convention, not the show. At San Diego Comic-Con, I had a number of cosplayers, and I'm saying that so casually and matter-of-factly. That's freaking awesome. Yeah, yeah. Comic-Con was really cool to, you know, they don't tell you half the time. These these folks that do cosplay enjoy surprising the creators. So um, it was just fun to, you know, see someone walk by and, and, and go, hey, that kind of looks like, oh, shit, that is. Um, so I got I got Rock and Lex. And then this one dude was like, yeah, Bear was cosplaying walking around. And I think he was referring to himself. Uh, because he happened to be wearing like a gray tank top and army shorts, army cargo shorts, which is such a rare outfit choice for the bears of the world, I'm sure. <laughs> I know. You would never find that walking into any bear bar. <laughs> As Pat no, sits here. No, I've never seen that at the fault. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so what, uh, so you didn't have cosplayers at New York, but you did get a lot of people stopping by your booth. I know when I was there, there were at least two or three that stopped by. I mean, overall, you were well received, I take it. Yeah, and 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 even more to the point, I met a lot of bears this weekend, which yeah. was fantastic. And and I think even more to that point, I met a lot of like bear for bear bears. You know what I mean? I think that like kind of broke that barrier. So many puns that people can inject into that sentence, but um, <laughs> I met a lot of I met a lot of dudes who you know don't want to have sex with me, but we now have this thing that we can talk about. And that was a first, and that was a really awesome feeling. Yeah, no, that's great. I'm glad, yeah. so glad you were well-received. I mean, every person I've told about this book, I mean, I lead with the fact that it has a bear in it, but then I always come back to the video game angle because Burn the Orphanage, if you guys, if you listeners out there have not checked this out, it is basically, I don't know, correct me, of course, if it's based, it's based on like uh, some of the old, 
fighting games of like the 90s, late 90s from Capcom. I guess it's not Street Fighter exactly. Streets of Rage. Is that it's, one of them? It's sort of all of them. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the book came out, uh, the book came to be from my friendship with Daniel Friedman, who you'd previously mentioned. Uh, we were working beside each other uh, you know, over the years and, and kind of came up with this entire thing as a big inside joke, you know, uh, melding our common interests in music, pop culture, and of course, video games, the thing we grew up on. Um, so the entire thing is kind of like, it's about friendship. Uh, video games bring people together, you know, from getting a second controller to now, what is it, four controllers to, you know, being on the internet and having six million controllers. Um, it's about community and and it, what's really even more funny is that, uh, I don't think more funny is the way you say that. But anyway, uh, <laughs> what's hilarious is that, uh, I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't going to let Bear be gay. He, he was going to be, you know, this bear of a man with a bear heart because he gets shot in the heart, you know, as you remember from the Born to Lose arc. But, um, but Daniel was like, no, he's got to be gay. Like, it's got to be, for all intents and purposes, a bear. And, and he's as straight as they get. So, he kind of curbed my my own poor decision making, which is why which is why we're creative soulmates. Um, but yeah, that's the uh, that that's Burn the Orphanage. It's a love letter to video games about a bunch of friends uh, beating people up for the you know common interest of fun. I don't know. <laughs> it's funny because I I mentioned before when we had chatted um, that I actually read the two series backwards. I read Reign of Terror first, which is the second, it's the five-part series that came out for uh, for Burn of the Orphanage. I read that first, and then went back and read the three-part Born to Lose story, which was the original story. And it's really odd getting to kind of get that backstory when you go back and you read the first part and go, oh, okay, this is what they were talking about, or oh, this is, you know, what this reference was, was made about. And then I read born to lose and i read the first issue and with in the first like what half maybe three quarters of the the book he super kicks man's head off <laughs> and i was like wait a minute what but i huh <laughs> and, and uh, it took me by surprise because i really was expecting it to be a more drawn out story and then was no, no. really just kind of shocked <laughs> that like okay well I, I guess that really wasn't the main thing for this book and then you know obviously got through the end of that story and then went into demons and then into the, you know, the third part and was like, okay, I kind of see where this is all going, but it's just funny reading it backwards and going, wait a minute, this second story has so much to do with man junior that I was expecting something completely different, but was su pleasantly surprised by how the story, the three part story could encapsulate so much in just three books. Yeah, we, uh, the thing about that was like, we didn't, I mean, gosh, it, 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 we're so silly because Daniel and I both studied writing in different ways and, uh, in different, by different means or whatever. I took creative writing courses and, and he does a lot of screenwriting stuff. And we just didn't really give two figs about proper, um, you know, narrative structures. And, and the thing we did care about in the, that first volume you're talking about is that like, revenge begets revenge so you know this little orphan rock fights his way through the mean streets to figure out who burned down his childhood home and 
we resolve it right in that first one because that was like the the least interesting thing we wanted to touch upon. We just kind of wanted to use that as like the basis of what this world is. And I think that alienated a lot of readers when they were like, wait, it's done. <laughs> we lost a couple of, you know, we lost a couple of people because they really wanted that like Streets of Rage final fight element. But uh, at the end of the day, it's like, eh, we followed our hearts and that's the most important thing. Well, and you expanded the world. That's the cool thing. I mean, yeah, that story ended, but then you went into like a Mortal Kombat at least what, what I kind of took away from it, sort of, let's take the hero and make him fight for his life in this far, faraway world and, and have all these other crazy alien, which, I mean, as an artist, I'm sure you, I believe you would agree that that's always a fun thing to draw is aliens and crazy zany creatures that, you know, sort of defy any kind of real world analog. Because uh, you get to be as, I guess, creative and expressive as you want with them. But, I mean, it kind of just built this, the universe even uh pretty quickly over three issues and then yet circled all the way back so that with this new arc uh, reign of terror you could kind of maybe go back and do a little bit more of the community building uh and then and move the story along like you said with the the revenge uh angle yeah yeah it's a uh, it's kind of funny because we're we're trying to work we're uh kind of drafting the third you know story right now and it's sort of a back to basics thing, which is funny because it's like this character went from, you know, just kind of being a normal street urchin kind of dude and going into, you know, going to other dimensions and other worlds and, and really all of that is to just get him right back to the town where there's just going to be a bunch of normal people and he's going to fight them. He's going to fight them all. There's going to be a huge gang war. Um, so it's really, yeah, it'll all, I hope it'll all come together and, and coalesce uh, the way I see it in my head and the way Daniel sees it in his head. But yeah, we definitely did not go the normal way. <laughs> but I, I give you guys a lot of credit for that because, I mean, we've said it a couple of times in the past few minutes, but you were able to tell a cohesive story and build this world up in less issues than most comic series do over 12 issues in a year or you know even 200 issues when you're talking about some of these storylines that you know the, it's a damn soap opera and 10 years later it's like five minutes has passed and <laughs> nothing has been resolved so it was yeah. nice it was nice to see you know okay this is what the the deal is at the beginning of the first issue he gets the information he has that resolution okay, but that resolution now brings him to this point of where the story is, and he's able to kind of move on. You know, and even in five issues with Reign of Terror, you know, it was that build-up, and it, it led to, you know, it, it, there was less of that kind of multi-story going on. It was that one drive, okay, here's the beginning, and this is what we're getting to in issue five. But at that point, you're able to kind of slow down, and, and as Brian was saying, you get to see more of the family dynamics. You know, it's touched on, and you get the the scenes between um, is it Lex and Bear at the diner. You know, in in the first set, but you don't see a ton of those interpersonal relationships, and you see a lot more of that stuff in uh, in Reign of Terror, which is nice. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny because it's like rock is a very simple character like there's not much about him and that's what i like about him he's a very like you know he's pretty dumb <laughs> um <laughs> and he's got very few wants 
in life, whereas his best friend, Bear and Lex, are a bit more captivating because, uh, you know, Bear is similar in what he wants, where he just wants everything to be okay. Um, but the way he goes about it, you know, is different than the way Rock would go about it and the way Lex would go about it. You know, and Lex is kind of like, she wants order. So it was really fun to to take those three characters and take sort of who is significant to each of them and expand upon that. And and it was so much fun to to give Bear this like weird little mini love triangle, <laughs> um, which a a note to anyone who wants to make a comic book based on their friends, like really talk to your friends first before you do these things because Bear's real life boyfriend is Nick and I had to be like look I'm not trying to like rewrite history here just for the story <laughs> like don't get mad but um but based on that then are you boy yeah I okay mean, no, cuz your likeness is definitely there in the, in the art I was like wait yeah it's a casual likeness and and that's the other thing too that Daniel pushed on I didn't want to be in the book I've got my own books where I am the main character like I'm plenty vain enough to do that. Um, <laughs> but Daniel saw, Daniel saw something there. He saw a way to, you know, again, make Bear have more meat. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, so he was like, yeah, boy's gotta be a talking character. And then I was like, well, like, let's kill him because I don't really want to be a part of this thing. And he's like, no, 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 no. Like, let's keep doing this thing. So. Yeah, it's all really, it's very interesting, um, working with a friend who, who can see the bigger picture with some characters that you don't see. Like the, you know, Rock and his girlfriend Jess have had a very clear idea of what their relationship should look like. And, um, it's always made sense to me. And, and, and it's been awesome having, you know, someone who can pull me out of myself and say, like, this is what you should do for this character because he's important to a lot of people. And we should give them a story that would satisfy them. Not the story that caters to them or, or whatnot, but just the story, you know, a good story. Um, so I love you, Daniel. <laughs> so do you guys, um, you're not like Marvel style, then you're, you're co-writers. So do you, who, who starts the process? Is it you? And then he kind of helps like flesh things out or how do you, how do you guys work that? Yeah. And the, it's a, it's not nor nothing's normal in my life. Um, the way the way it all started was we would flirt with this comic book idea and then um i was on a flight back from somewhere and the first four pages of that very first burn the orphanage comic just came to me this sort of sequence of a dude talking about his past and how this orphanage burns down and everyone survived everyone i mean everyone dies yeah that's the whole point Everyone dies, everyone but me. And then it cuts to, you know, him kind of getting ready for a fight and then him just beating up this hobo for information. And in my head, I had this like one song that was like kind of moving the information along. So I told Daniel, and he's like, I've got shivers, um, or whatever the phrase is. And, you know, and then I went and, and laid it out. And that was how we did pretty much every story up until the, the last two issues of Reign of Terror, just because at that point, you know, the characters are about to infiltrate this building and um, they split into three groups and, you know, each person does this, that and the other. And 
and then this character from three issues ago shows up here and this character from that issue shows up there and um i didn't trust myself to wing it the way i have um so daniel and i sat down and uh you know took some sheets of paper and wrote down kind of like one to 20 and then one to 28 for that final oh one to 30 for the final issue and just broke down everything that needs to happen on each page okay. in order to satisfy all the floating plot elements. So, yeah, and then for this next one, Bitter Rivals, I think we're going to go about it completely differently. I think I think Daniel's going to go in a cave, draft the entire arc, and then I'll, I'll be the Daniel and I'll come and polish it, and then I'll start drawing it. Um, he knows what I want out of that story, and I know what he wants. So there's a, there's a level of trust between us that you know, we can kind of let the other person do their thing and then come in and, and rein it in if necessary. It's a good relationship. Awesome. So, okay, now you said this and I have to know, what song did you hear playing in your head for the first, you know, four pages of, of Born to Lose? So do you know the band Sleigh Bells? No. No. <laughs> no, you're so angry. No, I'm curious. <laughs> what, what kind of music, like indie rock or what is it? They're... They're loud. I'll just call them loud. Um, there's, I mean, they're catchy, but like everything is on overdrive. They have this song called Demons, and in the song, the lead singer, Alexis Krauss, who I've been very upfront about, she is the inspiration, you know, for Lex and Burn the Orphanage. Okay. Um, but she has a, a lyric that says, Burn the Orphanage. You're going to pay for it. Something like, you'll be taken down brick by brick by brick. And so, that song, you guys should listen to it after this. It's so tight. And the energy and fervor in that song just inspired this entire comic book. And the live set that Daniel and I saw when they played in LA a couple of years ago, again, there was something visceral to the performance that, that really made us feel something um, and want to do something, not with the band, but with that feeling they left us with. So you talked about likenesses, and you said that you had a likeness, and then uh, I guess Lex is also. Are there other characters in your uh, Burn the Orphanage, at least, that have a possibly inspiration or real-world analog of some kind? How how dick would it be if I just said to you, no. After, <laughs> after our conversation preceding this interview. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Uh, so Rock's girlfriend is very clearly in some panels a uh, a a nod to like '90s Sarah Jessica Parker. And for anyone who knows me, they know that I like I love Sarah Jessica Parker. Not just because of Sex and the City. I thought she was pretty dope before that, like Ed Wood, L.A. Story, oh, yeah. Hocus Pocus. And I was asking Daniel, I was like, Oh, what do you think Rock's girlfriend should look like? And he was like, make her look like 90s Sarah Jessica Parker. She was really hot back then. <laughs> um, and he would like send me all these like JPEGs of her when he thought she was like fuckable. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, and, and then there's a girl, there's sort of just a, a, a joke character, a background player named Kat who, uh, and that is sort of my like gift to Daniel. Um, she is Kat Denning's character from Two Broke Girls. Um, and that's because Daniel just thinks she's very, very hot. So it was like a little gift to him to kind of inject her in the book for a second. Um, and it's a lot of fun to write like cheap, cheap puns, which is, you know, that like low hanging fruit is what the two broke girls, uh, uh rule of humor is. Yep. <laughs> um, and so people were like, God, these writers are dumb. And I'm like, I was, 
I was just kind of honoring the source material. Oh, um, yeah. It, it was pure Max. I mean, as I'm reading it, the first thing I did is I looked at Brian and I was like, I was like, this looks like uh, Max from Two Broke Girls. And her name is Kat. Hmm. They've done We're some very... episodes with bears. Like, they had that one episode with the two bears in the in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, that's kind of also sort of a funny, like, uh, I don't know, influence or uh, common interest. They've got a bear in season three. Max goes to uh, chef school or whatever you call it, culinary school. Oh, the big gay bear. Yeah, he's funny. And, like, <laughs> it's really funny because you can, like, you can see how excited he is when he gets, like, the good singer because you're like you can tell he's like oh this can be great for my reel um (laughs) but i mean yeah you know michael patrick king is gay i think we're all sort of in this you know together supporting everyone's communities but uh and then and then daniel's in the book too he plays the dude that cat runs off with in reign of terror that's daniel um yeah so there's a lot of oh god i need to say this um the character isabel is my friend Isabel, and um, and it's really funny because she reads the book and she's like, I think it's so hilarious how you write me. Like I'm this just zany, like over the top caricature, and everyone's like, he didn't embellish anything, Isabel. Like that's you. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, oops. <laughs> yeah, our colorist Renee met her at the meltdown signing, and I kind of lean in and I'm like, I'm like, I know you thought Isabel was real bogus. But now do you get it? And she's like, I completely get it. So plausible. Um, so yeah, and then Clint is sort of a mix of uh, Pharrell and my friend Eric. and So everyone has touches of everyone else, and, except for Rock. Rock is just kind of like an amalgam of all those fucking bruiser dudes in those video games because they all look the same. Yeah. And, and I adore when fans or readers come up to me at conventions and try to pin it down on one. And I'm like, dude, I drew that in a vacuum trying to remember what they look like. And they <laughs> all look the same. Um, it's like an average of all the mis- in, you know, memories from video games in the 90s. Exactly. Well, exactly. in 8-bits, there's not much that they could have done. Aside from <laughs> maybe change hair color and like headband color. <laughs> yeah. Don't defend their design. So another book that I didn't realize you were the artist for, but I actually really already knew about and liked is Little Depressed Boy. Um, I think I heard about it on iFanboy at one point, and I went and looked it up. And it it's I kind of went through a few issues today to refresh my memory. But it for those of you who haven't read this, it's a uh, it kind of has like a Scott Pilgrim ish vibe. I I say that I guess and. So, so I guess like a lot of people would know sort of the subject matter. It's like, you know, relationship, but also a little bit of heightened reality or video game influenced reality, I guess. Um, it's not quite as zany or, you know, over the top of Scott Pilgrim, but, um, uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, it, the art style to me is very different. Your, your pencils and little, little press boy look very different than burn the orphanage. Is that, like an intention thing is that like did you want just a very different style when you did burn the orphanage from what you had done or like what's the process there well first of all thank you for you know saying that you heard about it and liked it or i'm I'm assuming you liked it but yeah yeah, yeah. Um, thank you for that uh it you know the funny thing is that style evolved from years of drawing it kind of 
at different phases in my life. Like I, a, a gigantic chunk of that book was drawn while I was editing comics at uh, Skybound. And, you know, there, I would have to like rush these pages out because I'd only have evenings and weekends. Um, so I developed sort of a shorthand language for that character in his world. And then with Burn the Orphanage, I, you know, LDB was on a bit of a break while we were sort of, you know, fine tuned, like, you know, getting everything in check. And I, I was wondering, like, why am I not getting mainstream work? Like, I know I can draw half this shit. Why isn't anyone hiring me? So I did kind of try to show the world other facets of my drawing style with Burn the Orphanage. Um, and, and, and I tried to adopt a new language because you don't, you know, the things you need to draw a ragdoll boy, you know, talking to adorable, cute girls with bangs, that's a different, that's a different group of skills than what you'd need to draw a dude kind of, you know, free falling in midair, biting a goat headed wrestler's dick off. Um, <laughs> so steep learning curve. But yeah, it's intentionally different because I, it wouldn't, you know, neither would translate with the other style. And, and, and with the newer issues of Little Depressed Boy, I definitely, it, it's gotten a little, you know, crisper and, and more detailed. And, and you can see a little bit of that. And I always have to remind myself, like the, the creator, writer, colorist, letterer, Sean Steven Struble, he's like, man, you've still got Burn the Orphanage in you because you're giving all the girls really chunky, muscular legs. You need like, <laughs> You need to like calm down. And I was like, all right, all right, back to twig legs. Okay. <laughs> well, and it's, it even goes back to your layouts because as I'm, I'm flipping through it here on my, uh, my tablet, you seem to do a little bit more, I hate saying the word artistic, but certainly not your standard grid layout. You're doing things like there's one panel or one page you have the, uh, the little depressed boy's head with like these rays coming out of different panels. Um, and I don't remember in Burn the Orphanage you doing as much with layout. Is that like you're saying because you're trying to do more of a sort of straight up like Marvel DC style book? Uh, or is it just just different subject matter lends itself to different storytelling? I don't know. Column A, column B. I think, I think with Little Depressed Boy, it's, it's rooted in poetry. You know, it started out, um, Again, back to, uh, I'm just going to, for shorthand, Struble. Um, he is a poet, and some of the earlier strips when it was a web anthology, they were just poems with panels, you know, attached to them. Um, so there was a bit of freedom in terms of how things would flow. Uh, I think both have gotten a little more kind of streamlined in terms of storytelling, and that comes from from deadlines and, and not having the bandwidth to reimagine the board. But, you know, also I think with Burn the Orphanage, like, yeah, I'm learning to draw, I was learning to draw action comic books. And it's funny that you said Marvel or in DC. I was only looking at like, uh, like Udon, Street Fighter books, uh, Invincible from Skybound Thanks. and like Luther Strode from Image Comics. It's funny. It's like, I, I was like, Marvel, DC, I don't even, I don't even know. Oh. Uh, <laughs> No, that's not true. I, I, I do like Chris Pachalo's X-Men, but, uh, oh, yeah. whenever he draws it and stuff. Um, but at any rate, yeah, it's, uh, because it's a little bit more, I, I'm running out of vocabulary tonight, but it's because it's more loosey goosey uh -huh. in terms of, uh, 
in terms of whatever, a little depressed boy does have some freedom in how the page layouts go. Um, because I think you're supposed to be left with a feeling at the end of Little Depressed Boy. And, and that, you know, getting the reader to that feeling is the most important thing. Makes sense. And same thing with your autobiographical work, Not My Bag. Again, it's, it's very, uh, I, I say Scott Pilgrim in a certain sense, just as a visual shorthand. It's got a very sometimes stylistic, uh, impressionistic, I guess, sort of approach. Uh, more like, I guess, also like a web comic. I don't know. I'm trying to come up with, like you said, vocabulary to, to give a visual to the, the readers. But of course, they're going to go check it out after this. Um, yeah. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. With that work, I assume you did that um, before some of these other pieces. Again, was it the same kind of thing where you, you had like more time, more bandwidth to sort of experiment and try different storytelling techniques out as a way of learning them? Or were you, were you literally just like, you know, almost like story a day? Because it does have that sort of anthology uh, feel, you know, where you're telling like little one-off stories. Um, like what was your storytelling idea behind that? Yeah, I was figuring it out as I was doing it. And, and I knew that I wanted bits that could be read as like little quick chapters because I thought, uh, you know, I thought like genius marketing move. Everyone wants to read a book about retail hell. I'll get this on like Vanity Fair. And then I learned very fast that, uh, you can't shit talk any department store, even if it's not named because they are the ones that advertise in those magazines. Um, oh no. Oh, I mean, you know, it, it is what it is. I hate that phrase, but, um, you know, it, it all works out in the end. But that was a book that I was piecing out as I was making it. And it was my, it was my therapy. You know, I was drawing the little depressed boy. I was working full time editing comic books and I wanted something that was just mine that no one else had control over, that no one else could tell me what to do. And, and yeah, so there's a lot of just me enjoying myself um enjoying drawing you know and and that's and and that there's nothing bad to say about the uh the other elements in my life it's just you know how it is even if you have the best day job in the world it's still a day job yep. um it's still answering to someone else and 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 if you can boy howdy is it nice to be your own boss for a little while yeah, so that's my, what my bag was. No, that's uh, it's uh, I mean, again, like you said, I have a day job, so it's it's that same idea. But uh, others here have uh, that luxury of working for themselves, and you do feel more, I think, uh, self fulfilled certainly, and uh, 
master your own destiny. Um, <laughs> and so yeah, that uh, that I I didn't even think about the fact that advertisers would be hesitant to support something like that. Did uh, not my bag have a good reception uh, in the industry critically? I mean, I, I I honestly like did not know about that until you you shared shared it with us, and I I feel like I missed it. Yeah, it's well, you know. Yeah, it did. It did good. It made me money. Um, it didn't make me millions, <laughs> as you could tell from my layout at New York Comic Con. Um, no, no, no. But it was. Um, it needed to come out. I. I think when when we sell out of the first printing, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go back and maybe add some more pages, and and, and fix it. It was you know it it was right. It was it was wrapping up right as I was leaving uh, Skybound. And and right as a lot of things were going on, and um, it, it, if it had been done through sort of a, a bigger publisher like Abrams or Simon and Schuster, they wouldn't have even you know put it on the calendar till an entire first draft was done. And Image Comics, you know, back to being sort of the master of your own fate, um, they say like here, like here's the deadlines, here are the timelines, like the work has to be turned in at at this moment if not it's late and you miss these opportunities for marketing um so with all that in mind you know i got the book out as best as i could and i think it is you know i'm speaking to you guys you are both open-minded wonderful and and queer this book is about like a gay boy in fashion i don't know that everyone's gonna flock to it it's also about you know me, my character kind of struggling with, uh, to put it lightly, daddy issues. Um, yeah. So it, it, you know, it's not, it's not an easy sell, but you, you know, you hope for the best and, and you, you push it as well as you can and you hope that it's in the right people's hands who can, who can get to talking about it. So, um, it's enjoying a nice life. Like, you know, people pick it up and discover it and talk about it and then, you know, orders bump up a little. So, yeah, I'm proud of it, but it, yeah, it didn't, it didn't, you know, didn't win the hearts of, uh, reviewers and critics all over the world. It was like, oh, cool. This book exists. It's nice. I mean, I, I've never worked in retail. I know Pat has. I, I definitely related to your, uh, relationship issues and certain identity things. And, and like, there were a lot, a lot of it spoke to me. And I can appreciate certainly the nightmares of working in retail. But now that I know this, this is out there, I absolutely will be sharing it with several or, at, as many as people we can think of who would enjoy this because it is very genuine and it feels not only like, uh, you know, a very, like I said, genuine story. I mean, it's your story, but it's also really well drawn and just uh, it's fun. I, I, I think it's cool. So I'm very excited that you shared it with us. Thank you. More to come, I swear. <laughs> now, if you go back and um, add pages in. Can you do a link between this and Burn the Orphanage and have Sarah Jessica Parker's bitten clothing line as part of the retail? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Only because I really truly like I love I love Sarah Jessica Parker and I and that and, and that book is kind of like aside from, you know, a few key design very scathing representation of how the fashion industry works. Um so I would hate to I would hate to make her well, feel make them, like she make them the good people in that book. I mean the Stephen Barry's people, they're out of business. They're not gonna go after you. But you can you do a little nice little nod to Bitten. And by the way, I worked for Stephen Barry's. I came on board with them shortly after Bitten was launched. 
for them. So for about a year, I think I was with them. Every five minutes, I had Sarah Jessica Parker talking in my ear through those TVs. <laughs> oh, I, good. You you liked it though, right? You didn't you didn't hate it. There to no this comment. day, there is still music that they used for those like in-house commercials that is apparently very standard like um, stock music that I hear in other commercials. And I, it's like PTSD. <laughs> that music plays. I hear like the trumpets, and I'm like, "Oh my god, what is bitten?" <laughs> I'm like, "Oh no, I'm back at Stephen Barry's. I got to stop now." Oh. I get you. I get you. When I was working at a department store, I hated Adele because, um, whatever her big song on 19 was, like that was in the loop of the like 28 song playlist that the department store had. So like. I would hear it like four times a day in the context of being miserable trying to get these old ladies to buy, you know, $200 jackets. Um, so it took me a long time to join the Adele train. Luckily, 21 came out and I'm a fan. Uh, <laughs> there was no more chasing pavements. You were like, all right, I can deal with someone like you. Yeah, for sure, dude, for sure. And more like rolling in the deep. You've ah, my there you go. You so, know, you know that I'm more of a we could have had it all kind of guy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the hardest part, for, just real quick, my last retail nightmare story. The last retail job I had, they um, at one point were pretty good about like almost having it on shuffle. So you kind of had, you know, you you hear a song and you maybe wouldn't hear it the rest of the day. You wouldn't hear it the next day. But by the time I left that store, they had about a four hour playlist. And it would play at the exact same time every single day. Um, like someone like you would come on or whatever song would come on. Cause this was only like two and a half years ago, three years ago. And I would be like, okay, it's now 211. And my employees would look at their watch and go, how did you know that Adele's on? <laughs> oh, that's, that's hard. Yeah. That's hard. <laughs> when you can set your watch by Adele. You know you got a problem. I want to talk about some gay issues for a second. Please. Because I feel like I haven't had a place to discuss this. I'm just going to change subject completely. Sure. Um, Sam Smith. Uh-huh. He's in a really high-profile place, and he's being accepted for who he is. And yeah. I think it would be really chic if he just would use the word he a little more often when he was talking about love. Well, does he write all of his own songs, or is, is he one of those, or does he have it written for him? And because that might explain part of it. But like you said, uh, I mean, making it neutral is sort of a, a a choice in and of itself. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think what he does is he, you know, works with people. I I, I don't quite know. Okay. Um. Yeah, but know. but again, it's like the how will I know thing. The song already had the word he in it. That's and, true. And and just in his and in his banter, you know, the songs themselves, I get that you want to have a universal approach to love and you want boys and girls, um, you know, queer, straight, whatever, whatever you are, trans, yada, yada, to, to relate to it. I get that. But, you know, when you have a live concert, come on, bro, be you, you know? Well, it, I mean, this is in my very limited experience as a somewhat singer sometimes, but uh, Pat runs karaoke and there's a song that I like to sing called Girlfriend by Matthew Sweet. Love that song. I feel weird changing it to boyfriend, even though I'm not worried about like an identity thing, but it is a change. So it, it feels unnatural to me to change pronouns for any song, 
even if it's more reflective of my lifestyle or whatever in my orientation, whatever you call it. But I mean, that he's doing that like is odd, given that it would just fit and be fine. So yeah, yeah. I mean, gosh, I love, I love the White Stripes cover of Jolene, and and the whole thing. Jack White just sings as you know Dolly Parton, like doesn't change a single thing besides sounding raspier and more desperate. But you know he sings at in the perspective of a straight woman. So I, I know this is like this has nothing to do with comics. This doesn't have much to do with bears until <laughs> Sam puts on a few more pounds and grows a beard. Well, then I'd uh, like him more. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, let me let me tell you, my boyfriend and I, when I saw him on SNL, I was like, oh dang, I'm hooked. And then I had like a dream that we were dating. Um, like that Sam Smith was like calling me and texting me and just like telling me sweet things like we weren't even hooking up so like <laughs> there is a legitimate problem in our household with him um, <laughs> that there will be there will be a conversation because I also uh, have the bloated self-confidence that like if I if I run into him at a party I'll be like hey what's up I draw comic books isn't that cool <laughs> you remember that text you sent me the other night <laughs> Oh, wait. Nope, sorry. Oh, See, that wasn't real? Let's make it real. Um, <laughs> you need to work his likeness into something coming up, so you can even say, look, I write comics, and by the way, I wrote the story with the maybe your influence. And then he'd be like, that's lovely. And then I'd be like, yeah, girl. Get it. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I, I hate when the topic of Sam Smith comes up, because I feel like I'm the only homosexual in the world that doesn't like his singing voice. Oh, I don't like the material right now. I do love the, the Stay With Me song, but yeah. I, I'm waiting I'm waiting for his heart to get broken for realsies and to get his 21, uh. you know? <laughs> oh, that's true. That's very true. Yeah, I, I still... I I listened to the album one day, and I, I had it on my iPod. I plugged it into my big speakers in my office, just let it run through, because... Um, friend of mine had told me about the song that he had played for his straight female friends and um the song is not in that way and i'm like now i've got to hear this so (laughs) i I played it through and i'm like as i'm listening to it i'm just like i don't i don't dig this dude's voice i like the fact that he's out i like the fact that he's got so much attention i love all of that i love him in theory i'm not a fan of of his music at this point you know maybe i'll change my mind maybe it's like you with adele in 19 and the next album will come out and it'll be my 21 his 21 everybody's 21 (laughs) you know we'll we'll, we'll figure that out but it's funny that you said the whole thing about the pronouns because adam lambert did something similar with his big breakout song uh what do you want from me i say breakout but you know what i mean like i think that was one of his first really well-known songs Globally. Like a post-idol song. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that song was written and recorded by Pink. And the chorus actually uses um, the pronoun him. And when he recorded it, he changed it to gender neutral. And it was like, dude, why? You're a raging homosexual. I mean, we've all seen you on national television. There's nobody out there that's sitting there going, no little, no straight woman is like, mm, that Adam Lambert, I can get him. No, I mean, no, you can't. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know. You know, to play devil's advocate, there, 
there are millions of dollars, you know, hinged on these people's careers, and there there are dozens of people um, chirping into their ears, telling them what to do. So, you know, not knowing what their world actually looks like, I would imagine that there's just insane pressure to change who you are at every, you know, every step of the way. So, I know at you know, least I, one Sony signed artist. He's no longer signed with Sony, but he was at one time. And he was told to not come out. He was told to not make that an issue. And he didn't. And he didn't, his career, whether or not that was the factor, just didn't go very far with Sony. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, I totally believe what you're saying, that people are just saying, no, don't do this. We know you want to. We have no problem with it. But just keep it, keep it cool. Don't, even though you're out, don't like remind people constantly and it's it's sad but i think it is changing so yeah it, it's hard to be brave but you know it takes being brave for others to do the same so this got really inspirational like it started out kind of like talking just about how sexy bears are and now it's like <laughs> you know let, let, let's come together and do this <laughs> we're an it gets better commercial there we go now before we move <laughs> on real quick uh, speaking of uh, sam Sam, uh, Sam, Sam Smith. Thank you. The, Easiest um, name out there. I know, I know, really. It was too simple. Um, what was that video? We watched a parody of one of his songs. Oh, uh, it's a parody of uh, "Stay with Me," and it's one of the guys from Mean Girls and the San Francisco Gay Men's Choir. Um, and he's a really cute bear himself. The guy singing it. Yeah. That's, oh, it, uh, is the, it Damien or whatever? Yeah, oh. that's him. And it's, oh, uh, something like he has the like most Italian last name on him, Danny Francesi or something like Francesi or something like that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Nine people are going to comment at the you know <laughs> thing of this of this cast and and tell us what it is. Yeah, really. Um, if, if go on. But I mean, it was funny, and it had the had a, not had a lettuce. What's her name? Aroma. Sister Aroma was in it because apparently I guess they recorded it or shot the video. Um, yeah, well, I, I say during the height of, or I was about to say during the height of. I mean, this, the Facebook name drama is still going on, but um, I guess it definitely was a, a big avenue to get that message out there. And it's funny, yeah. too. So. Pan, not Pandora, Pandora. Pandora Box. Pandora no. Box, yes. Let's talk drag queens. <laughs> this is, uh, I assume, based on the first issue that I read, a young adult slash all-ages title. Yes, you are correct. And <laughs> your the penis doesn't... Pop out of the box at some point. <laughs> no, no, no dick in, no dick in that box. Oh, it's not a sorry. dick in the box. Oh, what if a young gay boy or man had the box? The the wishing box is what we're talking about. So it's Penny Door in the wishing box. Um, it's uh again, just like I was saying earlier, your style changes. It seems like with each project, and and that's I I other artists that I really enjoy uh, do the same, and I and I like seeing that. Um. But this certainly has a more whimsical, uh, in, in a kind of young adult, fantastic world, but very grounded in the life of this little girl, Penny Dora, uh, with her single mother or separated mother. And there, by the way, adorable cat, because I'm also a cat, <laughs> cat person. I've, we have a little uh, Himalayan running around. And so I, it almost reminded me of Grumpy Cat, who's one of my favorites, but it, it wasn't. Um, but by the end of the issue, of course, I was just beaming <laughs> because here they have this box that grants wishes, you know, like the monkey's paw or whatever. And <laughs> the cat's the one who gets its wish. 
hey, hey, don't spoil the ending. Oh. Well, <laughs> it's they... Ham. Um, spoiler alert. Yeah, it's Ham. <laughs> <laughs> so what? Um, so uh, this is by Michael Stock, and uh, he's he's writer, and you're you're doing uh, pencils and inks, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then colors with Tamra. I'm going to say her name wrong. Von Villain. Mm-hmm. And uh, letters by Hope Larson. I mean, this is coming out soon, right? So this it was a pre uh, pre release. Uh, yeah, it's coming out the first week, uh, the first Wednesday of November. Okay. Um, and it's such a special little book. I, you know, I always tell myself I'm not gonna work for for other writers because I have one. I have a great one. You know, I have someone I work with already. I have a writing partner like for Burn the Orphanage. I, you know, I was like, I need to do something for me. Um, but I met Michael through some mutual friends and he runs a really awesome, uh, sort of concert series, radio series called part-time punks in LA and, and we're getting along quite famously. And, and he told me about this idea that was based off uh, a story his daughter wrote when she was eight years old. Um, and he took it upon himself to expand, you know, this little one page thing into a comic series. And asked if I'd be interested in illustrating it. Um, I read the script and I was so, you know, charmed by the just the joy, the joy in it. It's such a fun, lighthearted but not frivolous story that I felt like, yeah, I'm I'm gonna draw this. Like I don't want anyone else to draw this. I want to draw this. So I said yes. <laughs> it's great, you know. Everyone we've shown it to has been so sweet. We got a quote from Scotty Young, the Rocket Raccoon artist, sure. on the cover of issue one. Yeah, so it's been fantastic. And and Hope is an Eisner Award winner for doing all ages books, and she has been so kind and gracious to to lend her hand in lettering the book and providing feedback on the artwork. It's like. It just really, it's one of those things that felt like everything was pointing to saying yes to that project. And I feel very rewarded being a part of it. So, yeah, I mean, it's, is it a, what's the five issue or is it not, what's your scope on it? Yeah, it's going to be, you know, like, uh, like any new series nowadays, uh, we're going to start out with a five issue series. And if, if audiences love it, fingers crossed, cross your eyes, nose and toes, we're going to continue with another story and kind of give it the, like Harry Potter Hellboy model where, oh. you know, there's just volumes. Because uh-huh. um, I think it's one of those books that's going to do better in the book market than it will in the sort of floppy yeah. month-to-month market. But but you need the month-to-month market to promote and build awareness. So, yeah, let's let's hope. Let's hope that it's a, it's a successful book. I, I, I certainly love doing it. Yeah, and it's it's like you said, it's it it's a it will do well, I'm sure, in the young adult uh, market. Um, but it sets up sets up a great mystery uh, about this box, and it's got characters that are very down to earth and believable, and adorable animals, and set during Christmas. I mean, what's not to love? I I don't know. <laughs> we'll find out when reviews come in, right? <laughs> well, I'm so glad uh, I'm so glad to see this, and now I'm gonna tell my local retailer to uh, try to order it, but. Uh, it may be too late for the first. I don't know. I know. I don't know yet how Diamond and all that stuff works, but I have the code that's in here, and I'm very excited to uh, share it with our store. So maybe we'll get some copies in there. Yeah, I mean, and they can always do reorders. So if the first printing sells out, they will know. They will know how many. You know, they will know that there is a uh, demand for a second printing. So that's true. Even even if your store didn't order enough copies, it's good to yell at them and say, 
get me this book because second printings, third printings, they're very helpful yeah. to uh, the life of a comic book and getting sort of that, that press during its its initial run. For sure, because we, we've seen way too many series uh, that we enjoy reading go by the wayside because they don't have the month-to-month support. And, you know, trades are great, but like you said, you don't get the promotion and the word out there if you don't have those month-to-month sales. And, you know, I, one of my one of my new favorite Marvel series is coming to an end because because of that. Their trades are selling great, but they're not having the month-to-month support. So uh, they're getting canned. So we definitely don't want to see that happen to any of your work. Which book is this, if I may, if you don't mind my asking? All new X Factor. Oh, I feel like X Factor is always kind of like that. Like, <laughs> yeah, it it does it does really well, and then sort of loses the the hype, and then gets canceled, and then comes back, and then loses the hype, and then comes back. Yes. Um, and Peter so David like, usually writes it when it does that. <laughs> but but like uh, the Phoenix, it will return anew. Yeah, oh yeah, it's it's perennial and it'll come back, but uh, it's kind of sad because it's just been fun. The art's great. Uh, Chris Anka's doing the covers, I think. Was it Wada doing? No, Anka's doing the covers, and some of the interior art. I like this stuff a lot. He's really sweet. But yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, it's an interesting time to be in the market right now. I am, by the way, just since you you work for you have worked for and you still have books. You're, I love Image, by the. I mean, I'm so so happy that they're such a strong force in the market these days putting out such creative and amazing comic books that I think Marvel and maybe DC or not, but I think Marvel would not be doing what it's doing unless image was doing what it has been doing for the last, a long time. So I'm thrilled to see that really a pretty much, I mean, in in the top books, like they always have books up there and really come a long way from, you know, sort of the, the doldrums era where it kind of went down from the initial, you know, meteoric uh, founders to sort of a background noise to now having just, you know, tons and varied content. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big image supporter. Me too. I, <laughs> I get so excited. Well, no, I get so excited when I go to the comic book store and, and I can't wait, you know, to, I can't wait to go to the image offices or go to a convention and grab some trades. I have to actually buy the image book on the stands because I just need it. Uh-huh. It's such a nice feeling. And, and, and they're all, all of the creators that I know and work with are fantastic people who everyone's putting their heart and soul into these things. So, you know, if it has that image eye, it's usually 99.9% of the time worth a shot. Um, even if you don't think the genre is your taste or your cup of tea, there's, there's always something interesting. Yes. Very much so. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with us. I'm really glad that we've gotten to spend some time talking to you. I'm glad to know that you're out there doing cool stuff, and I'm going to try, we'll try with Flame On to share the word about all your stuff coming up, and uh, you know, hopefully uh, we'll see you at another show in the not-too-distant future. You're on the West Coast, right? I'm on the West Coast, yeah. So, so East Coast but, shows, you know, near. Are you you guys are you guys near like is Megacon by you? Do I need to do that so we can hang out? Yes, yes, that please. would be an absolute yes. <laughs> I do need to do that, and and thank you guys so much for having me. And please, please, please enjoy the bust for me this weekend. I will be completely wasted uh, at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery seeing Lana Del Rey <gasps> singing sad, nice. sad song. Oh, um, I, I know. Even her. if you're not a fan of her, like how beautiful is that image of just draping yourself in an american flag like 
next to all these like tombstones, <laughs> like watching her just sing Blue Velvet. It's going to be, I think, awesome. I am so jealous of you right now. Not that I'm not going to have a good time this weekend, of course, but if I could be there for this, this sounds amazing. We'll trade notes. We'll trade notes okay. and see who had the better weekend. I have a feeling, I have a feeling because your weekend is longer, <laughs> you will have more fun than I, because mine's only going to be like three hours, and oh. yours is three days of, of debauchery and mm. lovely company. So well, we'll we'll be posting uh, on. Tumblr. I still think you're going to win. We'll we'll, we'll share some uh, of our our bear man candy with you on Tumblr. How's that? I. I uh, Expect a couple of hearts from me. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Well, before we go now, speaking of Tumblr, let our listeners know where they can follow along, where they can reach you, find your stuff, all that good shit. It's it's typically just my name, s i n a g r a c e dot com, or put you know an at sign in front of that on any of the things. Um, I'm on all of them except for Vine because I never. I was like, why? Why do I need Vine? I think you I need was more right than about six that. seconds for for video that you're going to be in. Oh yeah, I'm a long-winded man. <laughs> so I yeah, all of the things: Tumblr, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I might even still have a MySpace somewhere. But... Uh, <laughs> Justin Timberlake hasn't taken it over yet. <laughs> no, no, he hasn't danced his way all over my Facebook. <laughs> That adorable bastard. Uh, <laughs> by the way, talk about a guy who transcends having a type. Like, you've seen my type. You know what my type is, I I assume. And it is not him, but goddamn, would I want that dick in the box. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I think most of our listeners out there will agree with you. I'm pretty sure of that. Yeah, I, lo- I love my bears, but fuck, uh, Justin Timberlake. There's oh. something, there's something about him. He he grows a beard every so often, or at least you know some some nice facial scrub. So we'll take him. Oh, oh yeah! I can't wait till he gets like just like over the whole dancing thing and puts on a little weight. That'll uh-huh. be fine. I'll, I'll take him. It's okay. He doesn't need Jessica <laughs> Biel. <laughs> uh, well, we'll trade since Zach Galifianakis now is skin beast. Not skinny, but he's lost a lot of weight. We'll have to. Someone has to step up and put on some pounds. Yeah, exactly, up. exactly. <laughs> to maintain the but- balance. <laughs> well, there's a lot of bears on TV this fall, if I do say so myself. Um, A to Z has one, Mulaney has one, and then yeah, we're talking about two broke girls. They're they're, they're showing up in their own little way. Well, and I was just pleased to find out that uh, I did not realize that John Wesley Ship is gay. And he's uh, oh. he was the original Flash, and now he is the Flash's dad oh. on the new Flash. Okay. I was like, that's a great addition to our team. Apparently that's love new to me, but you know, heck. Well, and the Pied Piper's been cast, and I can't remember the actor's name, but he's uh, open. The actor is an openly gay person, and, and the character is also. Wentworth Miller? The one from uh, no, Prison he's, Break? No, he's somebody else. Well, but then he's Hold on, on we got that Mo on the show. Yeah, and then they just announced the new DC movies, uh, Slate and Flash. They're going to have a separate Flash, also played by an openly gay actor, so it's good times. Little, little, little big movements. Little big movements. Exactly. Well, again, thank you so much, Cena, and uh, we really look forward to seeing more of Burn the Orphanage and Penny Dora, and and, and I miss the LB, uh, Little Depressed Boy, that is still going or coming back? Yeah, yeah, we just came back last month. Uh, We put Issue 2 to bed this week, so it'll, yeah, Issue 2 will be coming out the first week of November, the same Wednesday as Penny Dora, number one, so um, 
I am a tired but satisfied man. And thank you guys so much for having me. It's Not been problem. like you're it, welcome it back anytime. Like anytime work. you got something to promote, let us know. We'll uh, we'll throw it up on our Facebook page. Let our listeners know about it. And uh, yeah, anytime you want to come on, you're you're welcome guest. I love you guys so much. Thank you. Flame <laughs> off. Thanks for listening to Flame On, a podcast made possible by Powder Milk Biscuits, the ones in the blue box, a comic shop, and the generous support of tops and bottoms like you. If you want to be one of our sugar daddies, you can help out by telling a cute single friend about us, reviewing us on iTunes, or putting some dollars down our digital G-string in our monthly support drive. For more ridiculously entertaining and socially enlightening episodes of Flame On, as well as other fine programs, head on over to nerdyshow.com. You can subscribe to Flame On and all Nerdy Show Network podcasts via iTunes. And be sure to find us on Twitter at Flame On Podcast or Facebook on our Flame On fan page. And make sure to check out flameonshow.com for more nerdy queer in your ear. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 